0: You ever, uh, you ever have this, this thing in your life that maybe you feel like the Lord is just hounding you on over and over again? Like where you're, you might read a, an article. Like I, I click on uh, either Acts 29 uh, is always releasing articles or the Gospel Coalition. Uh, I read a lot. That's, that's part of my growth. I, I love reading different articles. But the last four to six weeks, I feel like the Lord has constantly been, the Holy Spirit is just constantly pressing in. Uh, to something, and it's my in, um, it's my sufficiency on Him, my insufficiency in myself. And so, I'm going to get a little vulnerable with you over these next few moments as we kind of talk through what Paul is doing. What Paul is doing is he's doing the same thing. But before we get to our text, the last few weeks, I feel like the Spirit has um, just peeled back layers of pride in my heart. I have not been doing this for a long time, but I've been in the ministry. Now, full-time for 16 years. I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen a lot of, worked in Christian camps, um, worked in different churches, two, uh, two different churches. I've seen the politics of church. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, I have seen a lot of different things, even at a young age. Some of y'all are like, man, how, he, he's not that old. But let me just tell you, I've seen a lot of different things happen in the church, And personally, in my own life, I have fought pride over and over again and felt that I can do things outside of God. Like in my own strength and in my own power over and over again, even good gospel things, good ministry things that I look back and I grieve different seasons of ministry because of how much I I found my identity and what I did. And all of that was surrounded by my pride that I could do things far greater than God. Out of his timing, sometimes even out of his will, I look back and on all I can think about over these last few weeks is God's grace on my life. His goodness and grace on my life. And um, the transparency comes in that is here recently, I have felt um, like my approval is, is in you guys, or my approval is in how well this church does. My approval uh, is in if I do more for God, then he'll love me more. Anybody ever feel that? You ever feel like if I just do more for the Lord, if I just am a better person for God, if I could just do more, then maybe God would love me more. And where the pride, where, where I get backwards is I kind of say, well, I know God loves me, but these people, these people, I don't know if they do. And so I found myself, even through planting this church, kind of just fighting against that every week. Fighting against it almost every day of like, man, I've got to do this, I've got to perform, I've got to, I've got to live up to these expectations, false expectations. Nobody's breathing down my neck saying you have to do this. This church has to get to this number, you have to grow to this. But in our world and in our culture today, all we can do is look around and what do we do? We compare ourselves to what other people are doing. How much better somebody else seems to have it. You know what those are called? Those are called Instagram filters, right? Like, you you know the perfect picture where a family posts this beautiful picture and everybody's loving and all the kids are smiling. I know what happens. I've got three kids. I know the 62 pictures before that one instant where the photographer's saying, hey, right here, right here, is getting their attention. I know what that's like. Or that perfect lighting, that filter on our life. And over and over again, the last four weeks, the Spirit has just been super gracious to root me back into his love. Yes, it matters what I do. Yes, it matters that God does a work through me. But you know what matters more? Is that God does a work in me first. Like I want to do great things. I want this church to be known in this community, not as the volleyball church, all right, that we're known at. I want this, this church, this family of families to be known for God's grace and his goodness that shines out into the dark world. Like those are all good things, but you know what I want more for you? Is I want your identity rooted back in the fact that God loves you no matter what. That you don't have to perform for him. You don't have to earn his favor. We've seen that over and over again. If this is your first time or you haven't been around, we're in Ephesians. and man, over and over again, Paul is just rooting us in what? back into the goodness of God and his love for you, his grace that has been lavished upon you. So maybe if you're like me, you feel a little tired. I've had uh, three different lunches in the last two weeks that the Lord's used to to help me feel this. Uh, Maybe you feel tired. Maybe you feel weary. Maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like you just don't measure up to anything. Man, if that's you, would you just hear the good news this morning that you can breathe in his grace over your life? Over and over again, this passage, as I was thinking back through this this week, this passage specifically, I know this is, this is spirit ordained, this passage specifically has ministered to my soul over and over again, in hard times of ministry, in hard times of parenting, through a miscarriage, in hard times of, of being, trying to be a good husband, over and over again, this passage has rooted me back in, I can love because Christ first loved me. God loves you. I think we, we try to outgrow this simple truth, right? We try to, we teach this song, Jesus Loves the Little Children, we teach it to our kids, and then we as adults, somewhere along the way, we we feel like we graduate from this truth to something more meatier, something more significant. Folks, family, brothers and sisters, you don't graduate from the gospel. The gospel is that he loves you, and we're going to see that in our text this morning. If you would, Ephesians chapter 3. May we never get tired of moving on from this truth this morning. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and the width, the height and the depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Since Paul has began his letter, he's essentially been praying and giving thanks over and over again. In chapters one, Paul prays a prayer of praise for who God is, for what he has done, right? He is the giver of good gifts, that God actually delights in you as his children, that God lavishes his grace on you. Go back to chapter 1, that God has predestined you, that he has adopted you, that he made you alive. You were once dead, and he's made you alive. God has united you to him and to one another as we see this new family, this new race in chapter 2 and 3 he gives you an inheritance found in him hear this you are also paul says his inheritance not only does he give you his inheritance he says you are god's inheritance says that you are his inheritance he creates a new family you who were once far off he brought you near he's given you his peace I'm not making this up. This is all chapter 1, 2, and 3. He's reconciled you. He's taken you from a stranger, and he's made you friend. He is your cornerstone. He is your peace. Jesus is peace. He's putting together this new building, this new temple. He's enlightened the eyes of your hearts, as Paul says. And then it's here, it's here that we see Paul praying. We meet Paul praying, delighting in, worshiping in, petitioning, wooing us. He's wooing us to the further riches of the gospel here. And all of this has been rooted in and it's been established in and out of God's love for us. Hear that. All of this is rooted in in, and out of his love for you. Not the love that you have to offer him. Not the things that you have to offer him. Not what you can do for him. I've lived that life. I feel that. Where if I got to do this to earn this? And Paul says, no. Once again, our identity as a new race, a new family is rooted in, identified in, established in, united in and out of his love For us, Ephesians 1, 4, 6, in love, what did he do? He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In love, he predestined you. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love for you, that he had for you, he made you alive in Christ Though we were dead in our trespasses, you've been saved by grace. Like this, this is it. We're not, just to be very clear, main idea, feel the affections of the Father for you. I'm going to keep peeling back this because I I I think we we live in this culture where we want to get this and we want to graduate from this. Everything we do should stem from this beautiful truth that the Father loves you. So I want you to know this. I want you to ponder this with me. Reflect on it. All week, all week, my prayer as I've knelt for you as a family of families has been that you feel the Father's love for you. Now, I'm not saying that this is some experiential church where we're going to pre-manufacture this feeling. But there is something of connecting the head to the heart. Like I can speak all of this truth to you and say this is God's word and you can go out there and you can know everything. You can memorize God's word and you can teach it to your children but if you don't feel the love of the father then that's meaningless. You have to, we have to connect the head to the heart and that's what Paul's doing. He's he's enlivened their heart. He's he's opened up their eyes to the goodness and the richness and the mercy and the grace that's been lavished, called the Jews and the Gentiles back to the the things, the covenants that once were, and says, hey, here's a new one, here's a new family. He's he's mentally, uh, uh, emotionally, he's uh, uh, engaged here. Now he moves to the heart. And he says, I want you to feel this. The Spirit of God has used this passage over and over again when I've veered off or when I've drifted into finding my approval um, in men, finding my approval in what I did. My identity hasn't been rooted in God. This is the passage that the Spirit gently calls me back to. And it's not one of condemnation. You know what it is? It's a gentle voice from the Holy Spirit that's wooing me back to his goodness and his grace. Don't take my word. We can walk through this together. Students, if I could just address you in the room, because I know we have third grade and up, um, or college students, wherever you find yourself. I wish, look right here, students, I wish somebody would have told me in fourth grade. I wish somebody would have told me in eighth grade. I wish somebody would have told me my senior year that what I do does not define me. I wish they would have. It would have saved a lot of, um, oh man, just, just a lot of frustration, probably a lot of embarrassment. It would have saved a lot of frustration. It wouldn't have been a perfect thing, but if somebody would have just said, hey, listen, man, Jonah, your identity is not in what people think of you. It's not in, in what you do for the Lord. Your identity as a born-again believer, Kevin, is that Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. That is your identity. Born-again believer, the Father loves you. doesn't solve all of your problems. But if somebody would have just taken the time and said, hey, you're never going to grow out of this. His grace is always going to be lavished on you. The Father loves you. It certainly would have helped shape a lot of things. The Father loves me before I could ever do anything for him. My kids, I, I, know, I know your dads. I know you have great dads. There's a lot of great fathers in the room. Your earthly father and your heavenly father differ in one very particular way. Like I I love my children. I love them. I care for them. I I want to be the best I can. But you know what? When Deacon does something and it frustrates me, I'm going to probably lash out in anger. Why? Because I'm not perfect. I'm not God. So hear me on this don't look at your father and think that your father in heaven, now dads, this is a challenge for you too, don't look at your father in heaven and think, well, he's going to be angry at me and he's going to lash out in anger and he's not patient with me and he's frustrated at me or he says things, I love you, but, hear me, he loves you. There's no buts. Dads, love your children as the heavenly father has loved you. We'll get there, some practical stuff, but I just want to, Take a, t- a second to address you, you young men and women in here. That the Father loves you. And as Paul says, this love wasn't just for the Jews, as we saw last week, the last couple of weeks. It wasn't just for the Gentiles. It's not just for me. It's for anyone in whom Christ has united to himself. So what does Paul do here? He falls to his knees. For this reason, I kneel. For this reason, he started chapter 3 by saying, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on your behalf. And he tells them, because of this, this is where I'm at. Now he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. Psalm 95, you'll see behind me, says, come, let's worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep under his care. He's kneeling because he feels a deep, sincere responsibility to these people. But not just to these people. He's kneeling before the Father in heaven. There is this deep emotional connection here where for this reason, because of all of that, I'm going to kneel before the Father in heaven on your behalf. It's deep, emotion here intense feelings it represented his love for them yes but even more his adoration of the god of all grace and then even more than that in all humility he falls to his knees because of the father's love for him and he so badly wants them to feel this the the affections of the father for paul is what drives him to his knees he doesn't have to pretend to be somebody else that he's not why Because he's been approved by the Father in Christ. He's united in him. He doesn't have to worry about what happens to him. Why? Because the Father loves him and will never leave him. The shepherd never leaves his sheep. He doesn't have to beat himself up with shame and pity and guilt. Why? Because the Father took the lashes of all of that on his shoulders through his son Jesus. He carried them to the cross. All of those feelings that you have, he took all of it, every last ounce of it, and he said, there's now freedom in Christ. There is, therefore, no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Christian, he has liberated you. He's freed you from the bondage of your sin. So the affections of the Father that Paul feels is what drives him to the knees to his knees. So to my brothers and sisters here this morning, the fundamental impulse of the Father to you is love. The fundamental impulse of the Father to you, brother and sister in Christ, is love. He moved towards you. He pursued you. He never gave up on you because he loves you. Like this, this is your new identity now. You're rooted in, united to Christ because of his great love in you. I've said it over and over again. I feel like a a CD on repeat. Some of y'all don't even know what a CD is. But uh, anyways, I feel like this is one of those, uh, you ever have that go-to song, right? Like when you're on a road trip and you're like, man, I want this playlist or I want this go-to song. Maybe it's praise and worship. It's, we can be real here. It might be Jay-Z. I don't know what it is, but you might have that go-to song on repeat. Or maybe it's like this memory. God's love, what I'm getting at is I, I want it to be what you go to. Maybe it's like Time Hop or your Facebook memories where it pops up and you're like, oh my gosh, I remember that. That says it was five years ago. Like, I remember that. And you feel like you're in that picture five years ago. If you have children, the more as your kids get older and you're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back to that time and you remember what it felt like on Christmas morning and you remember the, the family dinners that you had together and you remember just crawling up in your father's lap and just, just cuddling with him at night. Like you can go back to that and you can feel that and that is what the father wants you to feel with him. On repeat that he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And nothing can separate you from that love. His love's poured out. His grace has been lavished. He's he's loved you before time began. And the Father, this morning, is desiring to just wrap you in his arms. Maybe just a small whisper of hate. Son, I love you. We never move on from this gospel. It's our new identity. This is what we know. I do want to stop and just kind of sitter with that as we just kind of keep peeling back different layers. I want you to pause and delight in this truth. Hear this, that God actually delights in you. Part of his love, he is love, so therefore you know what love is because of him. Hear this word. He delights in you. Maybe you have cold hearts this morning, some of us. Maybe you feel caught up in sin. You've grown hard-hearted. Maybe you find yourself doubting, just kind of in a fog right now. God delights in you whatever sin you feel caught up in, whatever approval that you're running to, whatever it is that is getting your attention that is not Jesus, hear this. He delights in you. You can never out God's grace. The Father's there, arms open wide. He loves you and he delights in you even while you were still yet sinners. Dead to your sin, he loves you. And let's talk about that care from him in this moment. If you still yet need another example. Like, man, this sounds good. This seems good. But how does this connect to Jesus and how is this real to me right now? Think about the ultimate example we have with the love of Christ. On the eve of his death, what was Jesus doing? tell you what he wasn't doing and I can tell you also what he is doing because we have the word what he wasn't doing is he wasn't drinking wine to numb his pain he wasn't running to that he wasn't finding ways to stay distracted from what was about to happen he knew he knew it was about to happen he wasn't asking his disciples though he could have he wasn't asking them to serve him I mean, we're talking about the Son of God who had the power, who could, have, who could have said, no, Peter, I need you to take one for the team, buddy. I can't do this. So what was the Son of God doing on the eve of his death? He was praying for you. Do you hear that? The wrath of this world was about to be put on his shoulders, and what was the Son doing? praying for you, submitting to the Father for you. He himself humbled himself in the form of a servant and was on his knees crying out on your behalf. And as the sun set and as it rose the next morning, he will go to the cross for you. so that the Father's greatness will be seen and celebrated for your salvation, for your eternal life. And as Paul said back in chapter 1, verse 6, knowing the only true God in Jesus Christ who he sent. He delights in you. He loves you. What other God would lay down his life for his friends? Better yet, as Paul says, for his enemies. What other God would do that? Jesus does, and he did, and he loves you. So when you're skeptical, put this track on repeat in your heart. Let it just breathe Breathe it in. Whatever that track needs to be, maybe it's not a song, maybe it's just this verse. That out of his great love for you, he laid down his life. When you're doubting, open up that time hop, that memory And remember, when you're wrestling with your self-worth, look to the face of Jesus. You're worth it. He went to the cross for you. In your sin, in your shame, in your suffering, he went to the cross for you. You're worth it. Ray Ortland, in his book, Gentle and Lowly, if you haven't read that book, we have a bunch that uh, we were able to buy for for cheap, and and we'd love to, to hand those out to you beautiful book, probably one of the most influential books uh, that has has really stirred, again, part of this, rooting your identity back to Jesus. He says this, Christ died to confound our intuitive, intuitive assumptions that divine love has an expiration date. He died to prove that God's love is, as Jonathan Edwards puts it, an ocean without shores or bottom. God's love is as boundless as God himself. This is why the Apostle Paul speaks of divine love as a reality that stretches to an immeasurable breadth and length, height and depth. The only thing in the universe as immeasurable as that is God himself. God's love is as expansive as God himself. For God to cease to love his own, God would need to cease to exist because God does not simply have love, He is love in the death of Christ for us sinners. God intends to put his love for us beyond question. And that is what Paul is wanting to do here, to put their doubt, their question of of God's love, he wants to put it, really, he wants to put it to shame by, by using this. He wants them to feel this, to be strengthened with the power through the Spirit. So Grace Church, this is what I want for us. When I think about our family of families and all of our quirks and imperfect beings, this is what I want for us. That's I found myself all week. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love, his love, you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the length and width and the height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with some of, no, with the fullness of, Of God. Why that has meant so much to me uh, over the years, thinking about my past ministry experiences and and my pride and really just arrogance of of I can do things without God, why that means so much to me, again, what I said in the beginning is that it roots it, it roots me back to um, to my identity in Christ, that I'm gonna fail you as a pastor. I'm going to make decisions that you're not going to agree with, or I'm going to do something that you're like, I can't believe he did that. Believe it. Please. I'm human. I will fail you. And I'm having to rest. And it, it, that, that hurts, like just even saying that out loud. But I'm having to rest and, and just root. I love the imagery being rooted and grounded. It's like this tree by this water, the stream, and the roots go down, and then they go out. This firmly planted tree, that's what I want for this church, that we wouldn't look for quick things. Uh, I I read this quote a while back, Uh, I shared it with some of our our leaders, Um, and I don't know if I have it, but I'm going to tell you what it says, because I think I can remember, that we uh, we wouldn't grow quickly as a church, that we would just be slow and steady. Not any, um, not any flashy, I mean, my gosh, really, we're meeting in a gym, all right, a volleyball court. Like there's nothing, there's nothing special about the building. There's nothing special about what we do except for the fact that we gather together as a family of families and make much of Jesus because he loves us, he's lavished his grace on us. We feel that, we know that in our heads, we connect it to our hearts, and then we leave from here. We gather together to proclaim that, and then we scatter wherever you're at. And you know what you do with that? You go and tell other people. Youth, young men, women, you go and you tell your friends about Jesus. It doesn't matter what they do because your identity is rooted in the fact that he loves you. It doesn't matter how, how, what other people think. Why? Because your identity is rooted in Jesus. And when you have that, when you have all of that, that love, when you feel that and experience that, that's when you truly begin to see the fullness of God played out in your life. The beauty of the gospel, the immeasurable beauty is this. What is the length and width, the height and the depth of his love? The beauty is found, again, in his love for you. That's the marvel of the good news. He desires to do something in you or through you, no doubt. Like he wants to use you and and see good fruit come from from your life, how you lead your family, how you, you steward your resources and all the things that he's given you and blessed you with. But more than that, he just desires you. He just wants John to wake up and say, Here I am, Lord. Have your way in me. I'm here. You have all of me. He just wants Brianna to just wake up and say, God, I'm here. I don't know what I have to offer you, but I'm here, and I'm available, and I'm ready. Would you just do a work in me? Would you just draw me to your goodness today? He wants your love. He wants your gaze to be fixed on him. Your eyes opened to the little babe in a manger that changed the entire world, who is Emmanuel, God with us. He just wants your gaze fixed on Jesus. Your eyes open to the fullness and to the greatness of who he is. So what, church, do we do with this? You live out of this gospel identity. And when you do that, it produces fruit in your life, like we talked about. It produces obedience to his will. You know more and more about him, and you want others to know about him, but also to know Jesus and you jump in on this beautiful adventure that he's calling you into? Where you, you wake up, you say, God, I, again, I don't know what I have for you today, but I'm here, I'm available. Would you just do a work in me? Would you, just, would you, would you help me, Lord? I'm, I'm struggling in this area. My goodness, God, you know where my, I'm gonna sin. You know where I'm failing. Would you awaken my heart to your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy? And would my identity be in that? You give him your life, all of you, all of us, to the one who loves you the most, to the king of the universe, to the one who has created all things, who you were once enemies with. You give your life to him. Why? Because he stooped down. He takes the time, and he knows you on an intimate level, and even in all of that, he loves you. So what if you believed this? What if you believed and sensed the father's love for you? Think of how patient and kind you, be, you would be with your kids. Like if you if you knew the father loved you, think of how patient you can be with your children. Dad, 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 dad. Yes, son. Yes. You walk home, we, we walk in through the door, and things are, are chaotic. And your comfort idol is just, man, it is just chomping out the bits. I've been on my feet all day. I just want to sit in my recliner. I just want, Lord, just let me exist. And you walk in, and it's mass chaos. But will you remember the Father's love? As the door opens, and you hear the dads, and you, you look at your wife, who's totally overwhelmed, and says, Tag, you're it. You can take a deep breath, and you can love your children, you care for them. Why? Because the Father does that to you. Think how humble and unified our community groups would be, right? You show up with this identity of, I'm loved by the Father, and because of that, I can now serve. I can serve the heck out of everybody in my group. I can outdo one another in showing honor. Like I'm, I am here, Lord. Here, here is the gifts, the good gifts that you've given me. You can live in those gifts, and you can serve and bless the people around you. Think about how our insecurities would melt away. Or you can just, you can show up and be yourself. How's your day? Well, it's pretty terrible. You know what? If, what if our groups were like that? Well, why was it terrible, Jake? Well. Man, work is this and this is this. And and Jake didn't have to feel like he had to put on some persona, some different character of like, hey, yeah, we're great. Everything's good. You know, the Sunday morning vibe, I get it. Getting your kids ready you're trying to get here on time. You walk through those doors and you have an option. Somebody says, hey, man, how are you? Well, you just got in a fight in the car. You drug your kids out, half-dressed, Kid, tie your shoe. Son, come on. Let's go. It's time to get ready. we got to go. Your wife is just trying to make it. You walk through those doors. You have a chance to actually experience God's grace by saying, you know what, man? I'm just glad to be here, but it's been, it's been pretty hectic this morning. Would you mind praying for me? Because I don't feel like I'm, I'm all present. You have a chance to do that when we live in the identity that he's created, that he is love. Think of how generous we would be with our money and our time and the good gifts that the Lord gives us. Think of how forgiving we would be as a family when you live in this identity. It's all right, man. It's all right. Nick, I, I, I get it. I forgive you for not being at work this week. Just joking. Uh, but think of it. Think of it. When we, as a family... Think of how forgiving our family would be when you live in this new identity. Love covers a multitude of sin. Live in that identity. And then lastly, Paul says, you know what would happen if you believed this? You'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And hear this, verse 20. Verse 20. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's as if Paul goes to his knees and he's kneeling before the father face down in reverence and saying, God, would they just hear this? Would they understand? Would they be able to comprehend with all of the saints? And as he's praying this, and as it's being written to this church, that he, he really doesn't even know all the people, but he's writing this letter, and he's saying, God, if they could just be awakened to this. And you know what the Spirit does? The Spirit lifts his eyes, lifts his hands. I, I, I don't know. It doesn't tell us, but I know it. he's ending with a doxology. I know that because, look, he says, to him who's able to do above and beyond that we could ever imagine. You, we, oh my goodness, this, this is like three other sermons. But there's something to Paul's posture here. Head down, kneeling before God, crying out that we would begin to experience this love. And he keeps pressing and pressing. And finally, Spirit lifts his eyes to this glorious grace. He's probably got goosebumps. You ever have that feeling where you're like, man, Spirit, you're, you're moving in a mighty way? I imagine his eyes being lifted. He can't help but rejoice in his suffering for Christ. He can't help himself. The Father, through the work of the Son and by the power of the Spirit, moves Paul to this beautiful doxology with his head lifted high and his hands to the heavens. And he says, could you imagine what God might do when we actually live out of his love and not for it? Paul says, I I can't imagine, not because I don't want to, but because I can't wrap my mind around it. Why? Because he's able, God is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever, amen. Family, hear this. We underestimate God's generosity and faithfulness. I don't know what's going to happen through this church. I I have no idea what this outpost of God's love will be. It's not my church. It's Jesus' church. He's the chief shepherd. We have a chance to do awesome things. And sometimes, all the time, we can't even wrap our mind around all that God wants to do. Above and beyond. And so this this prayer is rooted in a humble and joyful adoration for Jesus and for one another. And that's my challenge. That's my challenge to us. If you've got one big takeaway today, it's that the Father loves you. He delights in you. That you hear Paul's affections for the Father, for the church. Somehow, in some beautiful Trinitarian way, we feel that as we read it today, as if Paul's in prison Parker County prison, uh, jail cell, and he's writing this letter to Grace Church Alita. And he's saying, man, if you can just live in this identity and live out of God's love, you can't even imagine what God will do. You can't even imagine the type of family of families. Like, you think you know what you want. He will do far greater than you could ever imagine. And he wants that for you, for this church and this family. Live out of the identity that he's for you, he delights in you, and he loves you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would stir in our hearts this glorious grace. My goodness, you, you are uh, worthy to be praised in all of our weaknesses, and failing, falling short, even just this week. I think we could even just say there's enough sin that has separated us this morning our thoughts, what we've perceived, how we've walked in those doors, the sin that we find ourselves wrapped up in. And yet, you love us and delight in us. I mean, it's a a mystery. I was praying with our people serving on the teams this morning before our gathering, and I, I literally... God, I couldn't wrap my mind around your goodness. Like what a mystery. Like there's not a better story out there. There's just not a better story out there. That's what Christmas is about. You brought the story to us, the hero who laid in a manger. I, I love I love it. There's no room in the end such humility there was no party no big gender reveal no celebration not even wanted no place to go was the hero of the universe and he laid there King of the world. You're good to us, Lord. Wherever we find ourselves this morning, as we close out a year, as we spend time with families, would you lift our eyes to the glorious riches. truth that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen.